Anyway, guys, it's, it's great to be here. Good morning. Good to be with you. Um, good to be living my best life, still being ID'd at 35. It hasn't happened yet, but it will happen. I will be ID'd. I know it's going to happen at some point. Anyway, I'm here to talk to you about Belong, part of the Belong series, part two. And it's my privilege to follow on from what uh, Tim shared last week, our senior minister. And he launched us into this Belong series by talking about thirst. All sorts of thirst that we can have, not just simply a thirst for water or a drink. But in our lives, we have plenty of desires and likes and wants, and we thirst after them. But what was made clear from Tim last week is actually we all have a thirst to belong. And uh, as part of the preach, Tim opened up John chapter 4, which is a very special um, chapter, I think, to, to this church. I mean, every chapter is important, right? But towards this church, it's a prophetic picture of who we are because it talks about a well. And uh, Jesus meets a Samaritan woman at the well. And a conversation that starts about water, real, just drinkable water, ends up being a conversation about Jesus. So a thirst for water is then fulfilled by a thirst for Jesus. And as we delve deeper this week or right now in the Belong series, there's something I wanted to pick up from this teaching that Tim brought last week is when we talk about belong, when we talk about belonging, I think it's quite easy for us, not wrong of us, but it's easy for us to think to belong to a club or a cause or a membership or some sort of group. Whereas when we're talking about belonging here in church, what we're actually talking about is belonging to a person. So we need to rejig our minds. Not that belonging to a cause and a club isn't real, isn't a good thing, but actually the primary point of belonging, the initial point, the source of belonging for each and every one of us is to belong to a person, Jesus. And then following belonging to Jesus is actually to a people. We don't only just belong by relationship to Jesus, we belong because of Jesus in relationship with one another. And that is his church and his church family. And the thing about families is families, although they're so different and diverse, just look at us in the room, they have certain things that are similar or certain things that they carry together, certain unique, you know, certain distinctives that make a family a family, even though as individuals, you know, you'll have differences as well. And one of those things I was thinking in terms of simple family uh, that you carry is your surname. A name, right? And uh, it just so happens, here's a unique thing about my own family. My middle name is Selwyn, okay? It's an uncommon name. You can laugh if you want. <laughs> Somebody just did a sec ago. It's an uncommon name, and it's not connected to Selwyn Hughes. Some of you who are Christians, you know, like the author Selwyn Hughes. But somewhere down the line, my family, there was a priest called Selwyn. And uh, so I think just being that priest, figurehead, they liked that name, and they moved it into my family line. And the reason why I say somewhere down the line is because 
The unique part of my middle name is that my brother has the same middle name. My dad has the same middle name. My uncle has the same middle name. My grandpa, and then beyond that, we all carry the name Selwyn. But I think, because I actually am a minister now, we can break that trend, right? <laughs> well, Hannah's hoping to, but anyway. <laughs> um, middle names. The reason you know that is because I've told you. The reason people in this room may know of one another's middle names is because you've had the opportunity to talk about your middle name. But what I find strange about middle names is you and your family tend to know one another's middle names, right? But rarely anybody outside your family knows your middle name. You know, as Christians, sons and daughters who belong to Jesus and belong to his family, we are actually people who carry his name. And just think about that for a moment. Sometimes I feel that carrying the name of Jesus is like carrying a middle name. You know, people don't know it. Maybe some people in the family know it. Maybe we know in this family that we carry the name of Jesus. But out there, in the communities, in the workplaces, people you know, do they know that you carry the name Jesus? And I felt quite impacted by that as I was thinking about belonging to the family of Jesus is the fact that we belong to him, we belong to one another, and we carry his name. Let's look at this together as a vision statement. And just to say my uh, title for this sermon is Belong to and then Jesus and his family. We belong to him and his family. And so Tim last week talked about our vision And he shared how it was about Jesus' love transforming communities. Again, just some of you will notice there's an update in the languaging or turning around because we really wanted to make it clear. It's about a person. It's about Jesus. It's not about us transforming communities. It's about him transforming communities through us by transforming us. It's his work worked through us. And so the prophetic kind of... The picture that we see of this transformation is of dry places being well watered, watered from the wellspring, if you like, watered through the wells in our own lives and transforming the desert place, the dry places into well-watered gardens. So to do that, we've noticed on this journey as a church family, and uh, Steph even prayed it, there's some certain things we need to become. And we've been looking at this throughout this year, and we haven't even done our Bold and Witness series. But as a church family, our mission is to go strong in faith, to be deep in prayer, and to be bold in witness. Now, this is a correction for us, because so much of the time when we've said things as a leadership, we've looked at achieving and measures and things like that. Not that that's wrong, and we've got to do things. But the challenge really is to understand it's who we are becoming. We are becoming these things. And I know I preached just a couple of weeks ago that you are already salt, you are already light. And that is true. But in a relationship with Jesus, you become brighter. You become tastier to the world that Jesus so loves and cares for. And so the way I'd like to help you think about this is if the vision is a destination, a place you want to get to and go for, then there's a way to get there. And the leadership 
have decided in prayer and belonging to Jesus, looking to him, that the way Jesus has chosen for us to get there, to see Jesus' love transforming communities, is to become strong in faith, deep in prayer, and bold in witness. So today, these are things that hopefully you already know, just re-emphasizing. But today, there's something new we wanted to unpack, and it's simply our re-established values as a church family. Through belonging to Jesus, we get these values. And these values are, there's just three. The first value is spirit-filled living. Okay? This is who we are as a family. This is what we're going to carry. Number two, wholehearted worship. And number three, authentic relationships. Now, we don't want these just to be slogans or cool words that we think to to answer questions when people talk. This wants to be, for our desires, this is going to be a living reality for this church family. And I don't think we're too far off it in terms of the heart and the desire for it. But let's just take this back. There's a destination. There's a route to get there. And these are the things that we need to carry as essentials to get there, to get to seeing Jesus' love transform communities. Spirit-filled living, I feel like the Lord has placed it upon us as a leadership team to realize a distinctive of this church at least is that the Holy Spirit would take over. Would not just lead us by filling us, but lead us by guiding us into everything. The Spirit would have his way in us and through us, in our relationships, in every area of our lives. Wholehearted worship. We're not just talking about during a song set here as part of a church service, although that's a great place to start. But we're talking about a life that is living in surrender to the point that our hearts are so towards God that we would sacrifice our own wants and needs to see him glorified. And finally, authentic relationships. We want to get to a point where as a church family, we can be so real with one another because this is a family of grace where restoration really happens and transformation. These are the things that it means for us as a leadership team to belong to Jesus here as part of Wellspring Church, as part of his family. And one of the things I'd like to make a distinction at this point is what I've noticed about uh, values is we can treat values more like valuables rather than essentials. Now, what I mean by this is um, just think of anything that's valuable to you. I wonder if it's actually essential. My grandpa, before he passed away, he got me a watch. My grandma and grandpa got me a watch, and I love it. It is so valuable to me. <laughs> but it's definitely not essential, and I wanted to actually wear it this morning, and <laughs> that's how crazy it is. I even forgot to wear my watch this morning to show it off. Not that it's an expensive watch. It's just very valuable to me. Where it is actually is in my bedside table, shut away, but it's very valuable to me. But it's not essential because I can tell the time using a clock, any clock. I can use my phone, and that's what I really use. I use my phone all the time. I've got loads of options. It's a valuable, my watch. It's not an essential. And I was thinking about this in terms of our values. You know, Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, he said, I'll leave you the counselor, the Holy Spirit. And he would empower you. He would come upon you. And he'd give you boldness and courage. It'd be his very presence with you. But the problem is, sometimes we treat the Holy Spirit 
like a valuable. Holy Spirit fits in that jaw by the bedside table. We really care about the Holy Spirit. We really love the Holy Spirit. But we're only going to bring him out on Sundays. We're only going to bring him out at our services. We're only going to bring him out when I go to a small group gathering. Or maybe when we're doing an event at church where we're going to be doing something missional and serving our community. That's when I'm going to put my watch on. That's when I'm going to put my Holy Spirit on. And I feel like there's an encouragement. No, let's go further. There's a challenge. There's a deep challenge for us to live our lives constantly by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. So much so that even through times, and I'll use this as an example, through COVID, right, there have been many voices speaking to us. And I'd like to think all in all the motivations behind those voices are good, but there's a government giving us information. There's the NHS trying to help us and share things. And there's all sorts of things going on. But I want to ask us, as a church family, taking all those things into account, when we make our decisions, are we asking the Holy Spirit first and to have the last word? I don't mind what kind of things you end up you know, making decisions for, but it's by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has the final word on how you do your life. Spirit-filled living, not spirit-filled temporary living. Put it in the jaw, take it back out when we're at a church event. Are you hearing my heart here for us, family? Because this isn't about me. This isn't even so much about you. It's about the Lord having his heart delivered in your life. And he wants the best for each and every one of us. I preached just the other day that he is a perfect father and we are his children by faith. So I've rambled on for long enough. Let's open up the word together. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. And as you're getting there or searching for it, finding it, this setting for the church here is Pentecost has just happened. The Holy Spirit has come down in a new measure. Jesus has ascended on the throne, the King of heaven, and he's left us his spirit. And uh, you're seeing the disciples, what they're doing to gather together. In fact, 3,000 have just become believers. And it says this in chapter 242. And just a shout out to let you know, I'm also going to read from chapter 432 onwards because there's a mirroring, there's a thread. You can see similarities. And we're going to draw from that in our time in the Word together. It says this, They devoted, these are the Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone who is filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Just try and make a mental note of that. Hold that in your minds. We're going to skip just two chapters now in chapter 4, verse 32. I'm just going to read up to 34. Notice the similarities here. The early church. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person 
among them. Here, what we see and what is presented is the heart of the early church. And because you get the heart of the church, you see it in 242, it talks about they devoted themselves. Devotion is a heart matter, is an attitude of heart. Later on in that uh, portion of scripture, it talks about with sincere hearts. The actual Greek, when you go back to to it, it's not just sincere, it's simple. What's a simple heart? Well, it's an uncomplicated one. It's one that's not divided. It's undivided. It is just on one thing, and that one thing is actually a person. See, I almost slipped up there. I think of things of, of being belonging to a thing when it's actually we belong to a person. In four, chapter 4, it talks about they were one in heart and one in mind. Then it's from that point you get they did this, 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 and this together. Their heart for Jesus, their relationship towards Jesus brought about a practice, brought about what they did. For loving Jesus, they end up loving a family. From loving Jesus, they end up loving a community. For loving Jesus, they got values that they lived out. And then you get all these things. I count six, and uh, I can add a seventh one. But you see through the portion of 42, right through to the end of the chapter, we talk about the apostles' teaching. That's why I've asked you to read chapter 4 as well. The apostles' teaching was all about Christ, about his life, death, and resurrection. This is what the church, in loving Jesus, being devoted to Jesus, they're like, we're going to learn about Christ. We're going to love Christ. We're going to know Christ. We're going to know Christ more. We're going to go into the scripture and the word to know, love, understand Christ. Second part you see them moving into is actually fellowship. It's a bit of a word we, we kind of don't use as much, unless you're in Christian circles maybe. So I've called that companionship, that, that idea of companions traveling together, journeying towards a destination together. They took communion or they broke bread. They had meals together. But again, you'll notice these things were all link to Christ. They shared communion together. The meal that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. They also prayed They prayed together. They sold and gave their possessions to all who had a need. So they provided for one another in the house of God, in the family of God, there is provision. And finally, the number six thing they did was praise. Those were the six things they did. And even in chapter four, although they may not say them outright in words, you can see it slotting in and fitting in. It travels, it works. The only other thing, if you like your sevens, because that's the perfect number, what isn't mentioned here is they actually baptize people. But if you actually look at verse 41, when there's 3,000 added to the church, they were baptized. So that's the seven things that a church family, what I see in Acts, do because of their love for Jesus. And I think we need to come back to that. The heart of the matter is Jesus. And through loving Jesus, we will love his family. Not because we're supposed to, but because from loving Jesus, he gives us the desire and the grace to do so. In chapter 4, when we were looking at this verse, from verse 33, when it talks about the apostles' teaching, in verse 34, the next verse, it talks about there was no needy person among them. Now, this would be an amazing picture to have amongst this church family, that we knew each other enough 
that there was no one needy amongst us. But here's the thing, here's the thing. We can get there. We will get there. We will become that family. But before we start thinking of all those practices, all those ministries, all those things, just wanted to point out, between looking at Christ teaching and there was no needy person amongst them, it says, and God's grace was powerfully among them. God's grace comes from looking to Jesus. So before we start thinking how we're going to help everybody out and be charitable, it's all about Jesus. And actually, I do honestly think within this church family, we're called to look out for one another's needs so there'll be no needy person amongst us. But that's only realistic if you take into consideration the new values we're moving forward with. Spirit-filled life, so the Spirit fills us and leads us and guides us towards Jesus, but in our relationships with one another, that we're wholehearted in worship, so our devotions aren't merely practices, aren't merely traditions, aren't merely what a good Christian should do. There's no good Christian. It's only Jesus, and we follow him. Remember, we're just called to be mini-Christs. That's what a Christian is. And then finally, and this is where we're going to spend most of our time, the rest of our time together, authentic relationships. You cannot have every need met within a church family if you're not real with one another and if you're not in authentic relationships. And so this is where we're going to get more into the practical side of things. And we're going to talk about ways of belonging to Wellspring Church as a family. So authentic relationships, these relationships we're talking about about being set apart to Christ first, but then to Christ in one another. So the relationship goes beyond just belonging to Christ, but I actually belong in authentic relationships with several people or certain people in church. I'm not expecting you to know everybody from one side of the room to the other, and dare I say, there will be two services at some point. I'm not expecting you to know everyone. I expect you, if you love Jesus and you've learned from Jesus that this is the place for you to be and put your roots down, then you'll be one of the family, but you will journey with certain people in this family in authentic relationships. So where you really know one another, where there is a purpose to go towards Jesus and grow to be everything Jesus called you for and to, and you actually keep account to that. That's different from a friendship in the world. There's an actual purpose here where you actually call people to account to help them go further in Christ. Again, not so much about you, but it's about us. It's about Jesus and his will and heart for your lives. So, ways of belonging here at Wellspring Church. We're going to mark it out by authentic relationships. It's about belonging to a person, Jesus, but belonging to a people. And it's not the cause first. A cause will come. Practices come. But it's all about Jesus and keeping on growing in relationship with Jesus. We don't want to just get to a certain place and say, that's enough. We've done enough. That's good enough. No, because the Spirit doesn't lead us in that way. The Spirit will continue to lead us on to grow and develop. In the past, we've used this, uh, well, this alliteration of gather, grow, go. And maybe we've just been a bit boxy with it. I'd like to share it again in terms of a packaging, if you understand, of authentic relationships. And now we're going to even add give to it, because I'd like to upgrade from 3G to 4G at least. 
Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's thinking up the fifth G already, and it's like, unless we've heard it from the Lord, we're not just going to add it on there for the sake of G. Um, here we go. Gather. All right. So we used to split this up in different practices or different ministry things that you had to go to, remember? No, 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 not anymore. It's about authentic relationships where together you gather in some form, some way you gather with other people. You grow with those people. You go, however that go means, whatever the Lord's put on your heart, missionally, to witness, to serve. There is a going element to your relationships as part of Wellspring Church. Or can I keep saying, as part of Jesus? And there's a giving. There's a giving towards one another in relationship, but there's a giving to the wider relationship of the body of Christ here at Wellspring Church. That is what we're asking for. That's what we're prescribing is what we at least as a church family, uh, at least as a leadership thing, a leadership team, we think this is the way forward. This is what the Lord has laid on our hearts. So we don't want to be over prescriptive with this. You may think, well, how often? Oh, how often do I need to, you know, become or be gather, growing, going, going, giving and things like that? I just want to take you back to scripture. It says in Acts chapter 4, they are of one heart and one mind. Now, to me, to be of one heart and one mind, there at least has to be an element of coming together regularly to know one another, to at least be of one heart and one mind. I'm not going to prescribe it for you. I'll give you an encouragement. I think at least if you're going to be serious about your relationship with Jesus to grow it, you need other people. They need you. And uh, if it's not at least once a month, I really don't know how fruitful you're going to be in your growth or putting even down roots. When you put roots down, you can grow up further. Shallow roots, you're not going to go very far. You're not going to grow very much. So how often, as much as Jesus lays on your heart to stay as one heart and one mind with people? So the context that we provide here at Wellspring Church at the moment, I believe there's going to be a lot more to come. But right now, as a church family, how we operate, how we give space to growing your relationship with Jesus is through grow groups, which is small group context midweek where you can grow together in relationship together. And they're at different regularities as well, but I think at least minimums once a month. So at least they're doing that part. There's ministry teams where you serve together and you grow together in those teams. Now, here's a new thing that I want we as a leadership team wanted to add because we just know not everybody fits that. We're a diverse family and we don't want to be saying you have to belong to this or that to be part of us. Another way people grow in authentic relationships is through friendships, right? But here's the thing, as leaders, we will not take the responsibility to sort your friendships out. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to overlord and do that. But what we are supposed to do is encourage, to equip, to support, to pastor. And so we really want to encourage when, we, when we're looking towards this belonging and this sign-up that I will talk about in just a moment, to actually say you belong because of a certain group of people that you consider friends, that you consider you're growing in relationship with, you consider you have a purpose together and you hold one another to account with that purpose of growing to be more like Jesus and to see Jesus in your life. So that's where we see it for now. But as more people jump on board with this, there could be other contexts where we'll say, well, this is a way that you are establishing authentic relationships and you belong.
I hope you hear my heart in this. Maybe that's too much. And this is the thing we're asking people to pray about and consider. And that's why next, next week, Tim will share more about this, but you'll do a prophetic act to do this. But even next week, it's not even about next week in some terms. It's just about the decision, when you're ready and however the Lord leads you. Our heart as a leadership team, whether it be Wellspring Church or this family, is that you grow in Jesus. We just think the best way to do that for us as a family, what we've been called to is together in authentic relationships. But here's the thing. If this is too much or uh, too soon, hey, we still want to connect. So we've got ways of connection, and they are our gatherings. Here on a Sunday service, you'll be treated as family. In our interest groups, we've got a football group. People are connecting all the time to Wellspring Church and the family. There's other places where you can connect as well. And I think there'll be more interest groups as more and more people get deeply involved. There's other special events, but here's the thing. You can grow in those contexts. No, uh, no doubt about it. Here on a Sunday, you can grow in your relationship with Jesus. And yeah, maybe you can grow and connect with some people, but um, you can slip in and slip out here and nobody would know your name, let alone your middle name. <laughs> hey, But you can. You could walk in, be part of a praise expression, and then leave. But that's not being part of the family. And this is what we're looking at. Belonging to Jesus and belonging to one another. And for this, I'm just going to say it as it is. It's that dirty word that Tim mentioned last week, commitment. How dare he talk about commitment? How dare he talk about the difficulties of commitment, the agony and the inconvenience of being with other people and serving other people and journeying with a family. I've got an actual real family I have to deal with anyway, that kind of stuff. Well, this is what I'm trying to get to. Belonging is that way, but you can connect as well. But connection means there is no expectation on you. Nothing is placed upon you, and there are no commitments. Turn up when and when you want to, and that's fine. We will serve you. We will love you. But there is something to distinguish here. We belong to Jesus, and we're surrendered to him to love the family. That's all I'm saying at that point. We can take further questions some other time. So 26th of September, Tim will be asking, making the rallying call, will you belong to Christ and will you belong to others in authentic relationships? Forget the past, or maybe not forget, maybe that's actually rude, but however the past has been, at another church, maybe even in this church. I expect, actually, some of you, if I'm going to be honest, have been hurt because you've tried to belong in this church and you haven't, for one reason or another. And I just simply want to say, as a member of the leadership team, our heart was never, ever, our intention was never to make you feel that you didn't belong and to make you feel that you were on the fringe. And we're sorry for that. I am truly, deeply sorry for that. But I believe God is calling us into greater things. And I'd really encourage you that... Because of Jesus, there's grace for you. There's grace for us. Please, can we turn a new page, turn a leaf, whatever the phrase is, and let's try again. Let's start over. Let's look to Jesus together again. This is a new season. Literally is a new season, but literally, spiritually, it will be a new season for us. So that's what I'm asking you to pray about. 
Who do I belong to in the church family as at least minimum at a friendship level that I can say, this is my church family? And for those of you who've got a, a heart to be part of this Wildspring Church family, but you don't feel that you belong to any authentic relationships, well, let us know. We'll figure something out. We'll make those contexts. We'll make those connections that will develop beyond just simply being turning up to an event or a program we've put on. To finish, I just want to bring us back to what Tim opened up with last time. He opened up in Jeremiah, I believe it was chapter 2, but I'd like us to turn to Jeremiah chapter 7. Tim was talking about thirst from chapter 2. He was saying how the Lord had provided all that they needed, all the, the Israelites had needed, yet, yet in the dry in the wilderness, what they did was they either ignored the Lord's provision for, to end their thirst, and they dug cisterns, crack cisterns. I loved what, what um, Tim said, because I can't, I can't get the imagery out of my head. He, they sucked water out of the sand. I mean, that's just a horrible image for me, but uh, I can taste it. I can taste the sand. It's disgusting. Here in chapter 7, this is the word of the Lord. It says this in verse 23, and he's talking about the Israelites here, but I gave them this command, obey me. And I will be your God, and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you, that it may go well with you. To walk in obedience is to be a spirit-filled believer who's wholeheartedly worshipping and is connected through authentic relationships. Before the band come up, or as the band come up, should I say, just to brief them, I want you to consider something here. In terms of belonging to Jesus, looking to Jesus, is there anything in me that is stopping me from belonging? This is not me trying to twist your arm. I want our hearts to be open to Jesus in this moment. Is there anything stopping me from belonging to Jesus and to his family? The past hurts, the dirty word of commitment and the inconvenience and the agony and the sacrifice that brings about. Jesus, is there anything stopping me from belonging to you and all you have for me through your family? Then please reveal it unto me and help me obey and follow. This is a chance for us, church family, forgetting about the whole belonging series just for a moment. This is a chance for us to look to Jesus and simply bring ourselves before him and ask him and to obey Christ and to open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. This process can only be done with him as well as with others. You cannot do this journey alone. And this is what I'm inviting you to, a family that is growing in Jesus. Tim mentioned it last week. Maybe belonging to a person, maybe belonging is more about a decision than it is a feeling. And maybe decision leads to feeling that way. A decision towards Jesus and always for Jesus brings everything else. So Holy Spirit, right now, 
We open ourselves, our hearts, our lives to you. Come and fill us. As we consider what it means to belong to you and to your family, would you minister into our lives? Would you minister into our hearts? Would you minister into our hurts or our questions or doubts or unbelief? Come, Holy Spirit, move in us. In Jesus' name, amen.